Welcome to Jewish Boy Calls His Mother. I'm your host, Sadia. This is my mother, Ima. Hey, Ima. Hey, sweetheart. How are you? I'm doing good. Good, good, good. I will not be held totally responsible for what I say. Uh, yeah, that's that's not how it works. That's <laughs> uh, not how any of this works. Anyway, I want to correct something from last week. That um, evidently the University of St. Petersburg was founded by Tsar Alexander I. Really? In 1724. You don't say. But. They made it very, very difficult for Jews and forget peasants. I mean, oh wow, to be very rich and connected and healed and all that kind of stuff. Wow, to get into it. Okay, so this week's uh, this week's podcast, we want to talking about doing shit behind your behind your uh, uh, parents' back and getting away with it or not getting away with it. <laughs> so apparently. Ima, you, you, you've done stuff, been able to... Uh, let's put it this way. If you haven't done stuff behind your parents' back, I feel sorry for you. You have not had a normal adolescence. Um, I remember when I was in junior high school, I had some friends that were dating boys. Nothing really wrong with them. I don't know what the parents' objection the parents had. But I guess they felt that their, I don't know, their daughters were maybe getting too familiar with these boys, whatever. Uh, one friend in particular, she was dating this really nice um, boy. I mean, he was, you know, she was Spanish Catholic. He was Irish Catholic. And for some reason, the parents didn't like it. They felt, I don't know, they felt she was getting too, you know, close to him or whatever. And they told her that she couldn't see him anymore. And so she came to school and she was crying and very upset. And of course, he was very upset because he really liked her. And I just looked at them. I said, you guys are actually obeying your parents. Are you nuts? And they said, yeah. They said that they just felt that uh, they shouldn't, that they felt they shouldn't do this. So um, if the parents are against it, then they shouldn't uh, go behind their parents' back. And I, I thought these kids were crazy. I said, of course, you know, to me, going behind the parents' back was, uh, you know, everyday behavior for me. Because if I obeyed my parents, I wouldn't do a darn thing except sit there and eat and read a book all day. Wait, wait, what, what were the house rules you had in your home? That's a good question with some of the house rules. Um, uh, one was, of course, that my parents, well, we weren't, that's, that's one thing, we weren't religious. And I was always raised with, you know, everyone's equal and everyone's the same. And then when I decided to live my values and date boys who weren't Jewish, I mean, they were nice boys. There's nothing wrong with them. And it's like, here, you're raised like this. You're sent to the public school and you're told all, you know, you're raised basically that everyone's equal. Everyone's the same. And there's, you know, uh, judge every person for themselves. And then when you start dating non-Jewish boys, my parents had a fit. And I said, well, wait a minute, this... You know what I mean? It, um, you can't raise your kid like this and then get upset when they start interdating. Um, so, of course, you know, they didn't want me going out with these boys because uh, they weren't Jewish. And, um, yeah, big deal. I just would, uh, you know, have a sleepover at one of my friends' houses and meet them on the slide. So, wait, so besides meeting up with boys, what other kind of rules were there? Was it more of like, did they even think about not doing any drugs or that didn't even cross their mind? My, it didn't even cross my parents. My, well, my mother said she could always take comfort in the fact that, first of all, um, me and my sisters found it very hard to swallow pills. We were terrified of needles. And if we were in near any type of smoke, be it cigarettes or whatever, we would cough violently. So that covered all bases. But you did smoke, right? The only thing I did when I was in college, I tried marijuana three times. Each time they burned my throat like crazy. In fact, one time they took one of those bongs and they filled it up with ice and I still couldn't stand it. Mm -hmm. After the third mm -hmm. time, I said, forget it. I don't need this. I think you're lying to me. 
No, I'm not lying to you. I said, forget it, I don't need this. Besides the fact that I wouldn't dare spend my own money on the stuff. It's it's much too expensive. You know me, I'm a cheapskate. Well, it's actually a pretty cheap drug. I mean, I'm just saying it's For possible. me, it was too expensive. Sorry. Oh, it was, I, I guess back, back in the 60s. Um, actually, it was a felony that was um, punishable by 15 years in prison. Jeez Louise. Yes. That's always too much for me. Just just the just the the getting caught and going thrown into prison would be too much. But a girl never pays though. Isn't that the rules? Girls never pay? Yes, when I when I was dating, that was right. We never never we Aha! paid for anything. Got you. So when you were dating, <laughs> did you date anybody that did any drugs and then you went ahead and tried some yourself? No. Jeez. So what I was at a party though once, uh, where um in a hotel room where all these kids were smoking. And, um, of course they were, you know, they were worried that the police were going to bust it. And we heard somebody coming up the steps and I was getting ready to grab a trash can full of paper and purposely set the room on fire so we could run out the window and they would be, and the police would be distracted by the fire. Fortunately, it turned out to be a friend of ours. I didn't have to do that. Wow. What about your sisters? What about, your, what about um, Anna and Judy? I'm sorry. I'm not a good, I'm not going to talk on their behalf. Sorry. Uh. I think, well, I spoke to Aunt Anne earlier this week. She was telling me about stories about Aunt Ruth and Aunt Esther. Um, Aunt Ruth and Aunt Esther, uh, they, let's put it this way. Uh, they were not known for their <clears throat> social diplomacy. What do you, it. explain? <laughs> I'm not sure. I was very, very young, so I didn't understand. But um, Aunt Anne, who was um, older than I was, um, would hear them. They were people, you know, I tell you, people in those days. I don't know what it was. Mother-in-laws, relatives would come into your house, criticize you up and down, say nasty stuff, and you just had to bite your tongue and just show them respect. And the, I'm talking about like, you know, during the 30s, 40s, 50s, you know, before 60s. When, like the set, now, when the 70s and 80s hit, that's when people finally started to say, wait a minute, you don't have the right, I don't care who you are, to come into my house and put me down and criticize me, especially in front of the kids. But up until that time, relatives would do stuff like that. I'll tell you something interesting. I was reading a book this past week called Bintel Brief. Oh, wait a second. I think I've heard about that, yeah. a Bintel Brief. Mm -hmm. okay, t uh, tell me what, it'll jog my memory if you tell me what okay. it is. It's letters to the editor of the Jewish publication, yes. The Forward. Yes, and yes. The, I was reading an intro by the editor himself, and the editor himself um, said that there, he, it was also an advice column. And he said very often he would actually try to help these. He would actually take out time to answer these people by himself and try to put them in touch with the proper authorities. It uh, And Bintel Brief starts from like around 19, about 1902. And the last letter is like, uh, I think it was 1967. And one of the letters was written in 1933. This woman was, it was a Christian woman who was married to a Jewish man. And she says when her mother-in-law comes to visit, her mother-in-law puts her down. She tells her uh, that she's sorry her son married her. That um, you know she's uh, that she he wishes she wishes that her son married this other girl he was dating, or she'll ignore her and just play with the grandchildren, not even say hi to her. And she criticizes her housekeeping, criticizes the house, just tears her up from limb from limb verbally every time she comes there. So she complained to her husband. And her husband said to her, just treat my mother with respect. So then she complained to her mother and her mother said to her, just treat her with respect. So now she's writing this letter to the editor of the Daily Forwards. What should I do? I can't, I can't stand it when this woman comes to visit me, especially she puts me down in front of the kids. What should I do? 
Would you believe he said to her, follow the advice of your mother. Just treat her with respect. I thought, are you kidding me? See, but you're still avoiding the question. What about Aunt Ruth and Aunt Esther? Like I said, I can't totally answer that, except that, like I said, they had a reputation, like I said, of not being exactly known for their social diplomacy. Yes, but what... We can leave what, it at that. What What do you remember, though? What do you, were, they, were they around when you were a kid? Yeah. Yeah, sure they were. Yeah. When, when did they pass away? Um, they, they passed away, I believe it was... Um, I'm trying to think. It had to be... It had to be around the year 2000. Um, oh, well, you, so you have plenty of time yeah. to... to, well, to your, uh, well, your brother Yehuda, one of the, one of the aunts um, passed away and she was in her mid-90s. And it was really sad. She was, uh, towards the end of her life, she went back and forward in time. Like there were times that she thought she was back in the 1940s and that she thought your brother Yehuda was wait, my father. Wait, was that the person that we used to visit in, in the nursing home? Yes. Oh my, uh, that was her. That was Aunt Esther. I and, remember that. I remember so Aunt Esther. One I didn't time, that was her. Wow. One time Yehuda visited her in the nursing home and she thought he was my father and it was back to the 1940s. And she said to him, Ed, when are you getting married? So <laughs> your brother Yehuda played along and said, oh, I'm dating this hot chick named Rena, who was my mother, of course. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I actually do remember visiting her with Yehuda. Yehuda used to visit the nursing homes all the time. Um, I used to come along with him talk. He used to visit the nursing homes a lot, too. Yes. We used to go there. I mean, I haven't visited a nursing home in a long time. Um, I think That's because, because of COVID. It, COVID yeah. You're right, COVID also. I think at one point I, I actually helped. But, like, it was very brief, like maybe once or twice a year. Um, I'd help out with, like, um, a few rabbis would come to me asking me if I needed help, if I needed a volunteer for, like, a Hanukkah thing or mm -hmm. a perm thing or maybe, like, something else. But, yeah, that was Aunt Esther. What about so? What about Aunt Ruth? When did Aunt Ruth? I don't know. I don't know too much about. I don't remember too much about her. Wow. I wasn't that um, close to her. Um, but it's like um, it's just interesting. Our you know changes in attitude. Like you would if you know, I mean, if I were to act like that towards any of my sons-in-laws or daughters-in-laws, I would be persona non grata. I'd be told very nicely. If you want to be a welcome guest in our house, you can't come in criticizing like that. I think people are are slowly waking waking up to like not taking any you know junk from anybody, mm -hmm. like just just not, and understanding that understanding their worth. I think people are realizing their worth and their importance. Um, I think maybe with social media, people are are maybe feeling a little too important, but. It's just people understanding that, that they are worth something and they don't need to be mistreated in any way. You talk about like, you know, things, we were going back to the original topic about things doing behind our parents' back. Um, I remember when I was a kid, if my parents punished me and sent me to my room, mm -hmm. I just waited until they were in another section of the house and I would just sneak out of my room and just, you know, Walk it, walk different. You know, I was really young too. I was like seven, eight years old. I would go all over the city, like different places around um, Liberty Heights. You know, I'd walk to the library, walk to the um, walk around the golf course there, walk around um, the stores, walk, you know, to the movie theaters and everything. Just walk, just walk around. And my mother was really scared, you know, because I would sneak out of the house like that. And her father 
would calm her down and saying, don't worry, God's watching her. And I think he was because, boy, I took some really big chances. Like what? What kind of big chances? But just a little kid, seven, eight-year-old kid just wandering around these, you know, these areas by herself, taking, you know, walks in the woods by myself. Oh, wow. Things like that. Yeah, I mean. I'm very lucky I'm. Very lucky I'm still here. <laughs> yeah. And I, I remember going on walks by myself when I was like three years old and four years old during that hurricane tornado. <clears throat> yes, I do remember that. You, you're mad at me as if I did that like with cognitive understanding of like a 20 year old. No, I was, I wanted to go to my friend's house and I didn't realize it was in Colombia and I walked around all over the Jewish community and I asked strangers to help me walk this, across the streets because I knew I couldn't walk by my, across the streets by myself. Um, but I'm trying to think like, you guys didn't really have a lot of rules, just that I remember growing up and being a teenager and, of course, mentioned, I've mentioned this on numerous occasions on the podcast, but I wasn't allowed to talk to any girls. And I just went behind you guys back. Just, you know, we found out code names to talk to each other and <laughs> talk to each other online and whatnot. Um, but I tried to be respectful to the best of my ability of, like, you know, not going too far with this. Like, I, I don't think I even developed a relationship with anybody, be, like boyfriend-girlfriend relationship with anyone because I didn't think that it would be practical because I wanted to have good grades in school. And I felt that having a girlfriend would kind of, you know, stop me from doing well in school, which has some merit to it. Um, but I think there was this one story that kind of stands out. Um, it was when it was a summer. I was in my, I was, I was 20. I was, I was at home. Um, and me and Yosef got like this call from a girl to go ahead and hang out at a pool at like 12 o'clock at night. And me and Yosef went there and there were <laughs> like, I think three different girls there. And we just hung out with them and whatnot till it was like four or five o'clock in the morning. And then I went ahead and like got home and we went ahead and told Tati, like, what would you do if a girl called you at 12 o'clock at night? That that she's at a pool and she wants to hang out, and he said, "I probably think I was dreaming and go back to sleep." <laughs> My question is though, first of all, where was I? How did you guys sneak out of the house, and how did you sneak back at four o'clock in the morning, and we didn't catch you? Because you stood up, probably stayed up till you know, I don't know, one o'clock. We probably, you know, what it was. We probably did tell you we're heading out. You probably didn't pay attention. <laughs> and you probably just like were like all right bye whatever and like went back to and like went to sleep and then we got home and then by that time Tati was up you know he would like learn learn Tanya in the morning before he like start his start his day. Did he catch you guys when you were sneaking back at four in the morning? He was the, he, we opened up the door and he was there in the, in the dining room learning uh, learning. That's it, and he didn't. He because it's like you're you're forgetting this is like this is when you guys have, and he didn't tell me. Well, it's just there wasn't anything to tell about. I guess. Now that your sons were out till four o'clock in the morning? I was 20 years old and Yosef was was like 16 at the time. And like, if you think about it on a logical level, I was the chaperone. <laughs> so. He was chaperones like you. I mean, who, uh, <laughs> who needs policemen? <laughs> so I, cause like, so I, actually looking back, like, I don't think, ooh, I remember one time one of the, one of the sisters like took the car out. Oh like, yes, I remember that. He took one. it for like a joyride or something. Here's what happened. Yes, we won't mention names. Yes, um, yes. Um, one of the sisters. What happened was, um, she was downstairs, you know, just on the computer, 
And that's where I left her. I went to sleep and, you know, she was on the computer. She was looking at a movie, something like that. And I just went to sleep. You know, your father had like a very sharp sixth sense. Yes. He woke up. He always like had about that. About two in the morning, he says, something, something's wrong. Where's, and he asked for that sister of yours. I said, oh, she's probably downstairs in the computer. He says, no, she's not. Check downstairs. And so I went downstairs. Sure enough, not only was she not at the computer, the back door to the basement was totally open. Two o'clock in the morning in one of the better neighborhoods of Baltimore. It's a good, decent neighborhood. So, uh, yeah. So, um, anyway, we looked and we saw the car was missing. She went it to was, see some friends? I think, or she just I went think it was Hani. It was Hani's car. Hani had a car by that time. Yeah. You, again, we're not mentioning more names. No, excuse they're, me. They're now yeah. we're bringing it okay, down no, to who no. could find possibility. <laughs> okay. I, so, anyway... So, um, your older sister woke up and she said, where's my car? And we looked, we go, oh my goodness, your younger sister must have taken it. It's two in the morning. What's going on? So she grabbed the cell phone and now unbeknownst to us, your younger sister who had basically stolen the car had gone to kosher bike to meet up with some friends. She was driving it back and, um, Something happened. Uh, she wasn't careful about making this turn. The car went off uh, the street into the curb and bumped it. Some, I think bumped against it very, very sharply and broke the tire. You know, I thought she popped all four tires. It's like no, it was one. It, it was, was one. like totally one tire. Okay, it's not terrible. And she gets out, and but also it was not just the tire. The rim and the hubcap. The rim and the hubcap were both totally... Hubcap or hubcap? Hubcap. So hubcap and the rim were totally bent, totally broken. Oh, wow. And at that point, she told me, she thought to herself, oh my, what is your older sister going to think? And it was at that second that the cell phone rang and she picked it up and your older sister said, you are in such bad... You are in such trouble. You are in deep S-H-I-T. Just wait till I get my hands on you. Oh, God. Yeah. So we had to drive out and pick her up. We had to somehow get the car back home or tow it somewhere to someplace to fix it. And oh God, it was like the whole, it was the wheel. It was yeah, not just no, the, I, the whole wheel, the, everything had to be totally replaced. That happened to my car one time. I was actually going down the highway, getting off of uh, exit 27 uh, in Towson. And I was speeding and I was going too fast for the turn. And I jumped the curb and the tire the whole tire part like got banged up and i was able to like drive with it but it was just having some problems the alignment was off so i had to go check it out and there was like the axle or something was bent and i had to get it redone um yeah well actually maybe maybe a little cute stories uh wasn't there a story about one of your daughters and a cake and how you had Oh yes, we're not supposed to remember to name this. No, this is fine. This is cute. Okay, this here's is what cute. Happened. This is when your father was first unemployed, and I was really having to watch my budget very, very carefully. We were just, we were just, we were just, we were the type of kid, people your father and I did. We didn't really want to do anything with the welfare system. You know, we were raised that you don't, you know, you don't be, a, you don't snore, you don't, you know, ask for sedaka. But it got to the point where eventually we realized we had to apply for, you know, social services for whatever, you know, like WIC and uh, food stamps and things like this. But this is when your father was first unemployed and we hadn't done that yet. We just, we, 
we were trying our best not to have to do that. And your little, for me, was about two or three years old or something. And I came into the kitchen and she decided to bake a cake on her own, took out a whole carton of eggs from the refrigerator and broke them all into a bowl. But at least it wasn't on the floor, at least it was into a bowl. So I'm looking at this, you know, like almost a whole carton of eggs and not too much money. And I thought, okay, I'm going to make a cake. <laughs> what else can I do? I'll make a cake out of this. So I made a really nice cake for Shabbos. Was it eight and, eggs you said? Huh? It was eight eggs? I think it was, I think be, I think it was eight. And so your older sisters called it the Frimmy Bad Cake. Because for me, <laughs> so your father, ate, when he ate the cake, he said, wow, this cake is really good. Well, you know what you're using? It's really delicious. I said, eight eggs. He goes, oh, he goes, what are you doing using eight eggs in the cake? You know, you know, we're in a very tight budget. And I said, when you walk into the kitchen and your two-year-old has cracked eight eggs into a bowl, you bake it into a cake. So and so what happened was, so with everybody calling it the for me bad cake, for me at that point spoke up and said, no, for me bad cake. No, for me. No, for me, Dan That's adorable. All righty, everybody. Thanks for listening. We are out of time. And I love you, Iman. Hopefully, you have a good Shabbos. Oh, you too, honey. Love you. Hearts and kisses. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Jewish Boy Calls His Mother. Please like and share and find us on Facebook at Jewish Boy Calls His Mother Podcast. We are looking forward to hearing from you.